Thank you for downloading this episode of the Final Third Podcast. In today's episode, we talk about Lewandowski moving to Barcelona, what that means for the La Liga Giants, as well as previewing the U.S. Women's National Team taking on Canada in the final of the CANCAF W Championship, as well as giving our previews of uh, the Euro Championship 2022. The quarterfinals are happening there. It's all very exciting. Leave a rating if you enjoy the show. It means a lot to us. Yeah, hope you guys like it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Final Third Podcast. It is Monday. It is our news and predictions episode where we talk about all the crazy things happening in the soccer world, both on and off the pitch. I am AJ Tabura. I'm one of your co-hosts, a fan of Minnesota United, which is going pretty well. I actually went to the game on Wednesday for uh, a work event. The one draw in, in the, the past five games. One draw, I and I still have not seen Minnesota United win in Allianz Field after at least i want to say seven to ten games going i've seen so, them winning like six games i think at allianz field yeah it's it's not good for me i'm <laughs> the, i had to funny, stop going apparently the funniest thing is the only time i've seen them lose at allianz field is when i went with you i i know i know bro i know so I, i'm i'm gonna make a point to go to the houston dynamo game because i think we could beat houston dynamo fingers crossed <laughs> fingers crossed we're not talking about them, even though they're doing good. I, I think. Uh, are the Dynamo doing good, or are they? Oh, just not, the, not same? the Dynamo. Minnesota United okay. are. Dynamo, I was going to say Dynamo are always bad. Uh, I'm also a fan of West Ham United, watching some preseason games, as well as the U.S. national teams, which we will talk about a little bit. Uh, and I'm joined by my co-host. You've already heard him, Jack. Jack, how are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. Uh, ex- excited and nervous for the next week because. Uh, spoiler, I will not be on whatever episode comes out in the middle of the week if there is one, because I'm going to be presenting at a conference for a paper that yeah. I'm writing to get published. Good luck, good luck. Uh, so Where's that at? It is in St. Louis, Missouri. Ooh, gonna see some St. Louis City 2 games in MLS Next Pro? I've, I wish I had time, but unfortunately uh. no. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm a fan of Chelsea, which... You know what went well yesterday? Because Club America did not score a single goal against us by themselves. Yes, so that there is, is technically that. true. Um, and I'm a fan of Minnesota United, which, of course, as AJ said, is going well. I'm a fan of Atalanta, which is great because they won 12 to 1 over like oh, an wow. eighth tier side. It's fine. Okay. Uh, and then I'm a fan of the French and U.S. national teams, which we'll talk about to some extent, I think, as well in this episode. And... Of course, Minnesota Aurora, because AJ, we finally have a Minnesota sports team in a final. Yes. In a final. It's it's women's soccer. First year, first year of the USLW League could win it all. And if they do, uh, I'm going to be very excited Mm -hmm. because, man, it would be finally good to see to have a Minnesota sports curse lifted. I'm counting it. I'm counting it. I am planning to be there because I think because we are the first seed, we're going to be hosting it. So I, j- I wish I could be there, but I will be traveling home from that conference <sighs> on that day. So I will not be able to be there, but I will be watching the live stream as soon as soon as I can. Yeah, maybe you'll see me there cheering. cheering maybe. On. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited for a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about, including some more women's soccer going on international women's soccer which we always like to uh highlight especially uh but jack before we get to that we have 
a new segment that I, that I have decided to coin, which is just hot take of the week. There's a lot of soccer things, some things that we don't really get to. And so this is a chance for us to to briefly mention something that we think needs to be mentioned, a hot take, something that maybe people disagree with, maybe agree with that we just need to get out there because we've been we've been keeping it in our hearts too long. It just needs to get aired. So, Jack, what is your hot take of the week in the soccer world? Uh, mine has already been said on Twitter, which, by the way, you could check us out on Twitter at Final Third Show. Yes. Uh, but my hot take of the week is that Kaladu Koulibaly is a transformative signing for Chelsea. Yes, he's 31, but I have full confidence that he could play at a top level until he's like 36 or 37. I mean, look at Thiago Silva, but he's a fantastic player because he can he he's a very good def- defender, anchored one of the best defenses in Europe last season, has chemistry with Edward Mendy already is a leader, which is something that we definitely, definitely need in the back line, uh, especially if we're going to be relying on a lot of younger players to fill in uh, like, you know, Chalaba, maybe Colwell Kunde's still kind of young. Uh, if, if he does end up coming, Kimpembe is still on the younger side. Like it would be, it, he's, he's going to be a fantastic signing. All of the slander on the top, on the Twitter timeline. I've seen it. I don't I don't like it because is, is that from mostly other uh, fans or is that also Chelsea? Mostly fans? other fans, mostly okay. other fans. There's some Chelsea fans who are still like, oh, why did we pay 40 million for a 31 year old center back? And the reason why we paid 40 million for a 31 year old center back is because that 31 year old center back is incredible and regarded as one of the best defenders right now. Also, uh, Virgil van Dijk, who's regarded as one of the best defenders right now, also 31, I believe. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I I think I think people need to put some respect on his name because he he deserves it. He is one of the best defenders in the world. Chelsea wanted him last summer for ninety million. Couldn't couldn't spend that much on a center back. Now we got him for forty. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, that has Jack's hot take. Obviously, very timely. My hot take, Jack, mm-hmm. is that Manchester United are going to be bad despite the fact that they okay. played well in friendlies. And Great. I can't be- I can't <laughs> believe that this is something that people are legitimately talking about, especially in sometimes the fantasy Premier League circles and online. People are like, oh, you know, uh, Martial scored, you know, Fred scored. Maybe they're like a sleeper pick. Guys, it's preseason. It is it's July 17th at the time of recording. Nothing like big is happening right now. Uh, And and people are saying this because in the first friendly that uh, Manchester United played, they beat Liverpool, you know, heated rivals four to zero. And you're like, wow, that's super good. You know who they were playing up against? They're playing against Phillips, a, 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 a guy named Luke Chambers, 18 years old, left back, like cool, good, you know. You know, some some first team players for Liverpool, like Luis Diaz, sure, uh, Joseph Gomez, I guess, could, could start some, Bobby Firmino, but also a guy named Tyler Morton, Isaac Mabaya, right? Like, these are not first team players because when you look at it, Liverpool and Manchester United had two very different ways into looking at these friendlies. Liverpool came out, uh, they, they had full on lineup changes twice. So each, like, they, 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 they had yeah they had 11 players play for 33 minutes another 11 players for another 33 another whatever whatever and Manchester United 
they started almost close to a, a first-team lineup. You know, Martial, Sancho, Fernandez, Rashford up front, McTominay, Fred. Uh, and then you have, you know, Deloitte and Lindelof might not be the out-and-out starters come the season Deloitte's going to be the starter for right back for, for Man U. No, no more Juan Bissaka? No. Uh, okay. I, I don't think so. All right, all right. But but Lindelof, I'm guessing Maguire, at the very least, is going to get the majority of minutes, and Sean De Gea. Like, the fact that people are, are using this as a way to extrapolate into the season is crazy. Manchester United fans, if you do this, you are delusional. If any fan does this, you're delusional. Preseason is just about fitness and getting like the, the seeds planted for team cohesion and tactical approaches. That's all it is. And sometimes, you know, teams don't even do that. They do just strictly like what I think Liverpool is doing, which is fitness, because uh, Klopp already knows the team. They, they already know what they're doing. A lot of the pieces are the same. Eric Ten Hag is new, so he's going to do his own thing. It, it, it's ludicrous to try to compare. That's my hot take. And I think I, I think that's good. I think yeah. that's a good take. No, I, I, no one should hype up over preseason results. No, no. Uh, it's cool. It, it, the one thing that you can take from them really is individual player performance. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's about it. If if there's like a young player that stood out, like for example, Ethan Ampadu for Chelsea versus Club America, played very well uh, at at that in that back three. So I I would feel confident with him getting some minutes in the first team as a center back in that back three. Uh, so that that's something you can take away. Uh, I'm not going to say Chelsea are going to win the league because they beat Club America 2-1. Yeah. Uh, that because that's ridiculous. I'll say they're going to win the league because they're going to win the league. That's sure. That's why. Yeah. Sure. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm optimistic. Yeah. And as this, I mean, the proof is in the pudding, right? The Detroit Lions one year went four and zero for the preseason games. <laughs> they went on to be a historically bad team, winning zero of the next sixteen regular season games. So. All I'm saying, all I'm saying. All right, Jack, let's move on to our first segment, which is probably obviously the, the biggest news in the soccer, at least on the men's side, and that is levers. Jack, are you sick of that word yet? Are you sick of levers happening and being pulled? Not, if I was a Barcelona fan, maybe I would be by this point, but right now, not not quite yet. Not yet. Not quite yet. Not quite. We'll see yet. by the end of the episode. We'll, yeah. We'll, see. well, Jack, the levers, the economic levers that Barcelona needed to pull and switch in order to afford the players that they wanted have kind of fallen in place. We'll start with the biggest transfer happening right now and has finally wrapped up. And that's Lewandowski moving from FC Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga to FC Barcelona of La Liga. Jack, this was a very storied transfer. I think the final transfer number was like north of 50 million euros uh, I, up I there. I think that's about right. I think it, I think it might have been a little lower, maybe 45 million, but probably 50 million with add-ons. Yeah, at, at the very least, yeah, plus add-ons. The entire package has to be north of, of 45 to 50 million. But he officially has joined FC Barcelona as of yesterday. Jack, initial reactions? I mean... It's pretty good. Uh, Lewandowski is really good. Uh, Barcelona. I, my question is, do they need more attackers? They have. That's like that's. They have a lot of them now. An overflow, if you will. Um, is, is do you think Lewandowski's a an upgrade? I'd say so. I, I think he's an upgrade, but they also have a lot of a lot a lot 
of, uh, of of attackers in that same position. But you're right, he is an upgrade, and for 45 million, 50 million, that's still pretty good. Bayern going to be in a bit of trouble, I think. I think that without Lewandowski, they could actually struggle in the Bundesliga, maybe. Uh, but then again, it's still Bayern, so they, they'll think of something that's going to work out just as good. They'll steal from a rival or something. Yeah, uh, who's an overperforming striker in the Bundesliga right now that they can just snatch up from a rival? Uh, they'll they'll take they'll take someone and then it will be good. Mm-hmm. All right, but yeah, yeah, this is good for Barca, I guess. As I long mean, as the yeah. economic side's good. Yeah, uh, I mean it helps that Bayern just got Sadio Mane, of course. So there's always going to be attacking output. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Lewandowski, in my opinion, is going to be a good transfer. Uh, you mentioned, yeah, the, the, that that log champ in attack. We're looking at on that forward line, assuming that Xavi plays a four three three or something of the likes, the likes of Ansu Fati, Obama Yang, Luke De Jong, I suppose. No, he's <laughs> gone. He's gone. Uh, okay, good. He was good. alone. Yeah. Braithwaite, is he still around? He is still there. Okay. He's not in the preseason squad, but he is still technically a Barcelona yeah. player. I, I'm sure he could be on his way out. He's already thirty. Probably. Sergio Guero did not. Uh, play a lot i'm guessing he's out depay well yeah because remember sergio Aguero retired oh yeah that's right oh yeah that's right yeah, yeah. So, he, so he's out <laughs> memphis depay is technically still in but there have been rumors that he could be offloaded in the near future so take that as what you will uh ferran torres for sure is still there and i i think going to be a, a piece for uh the future 21 him and antifati are still really young and so yeah, and after that, we're, we're looking uh, at... Dembele and Rafinha as well. Yeah, uh, Usman so. Dembele, uh, I think, was on his way out, but he actually failed his medical at Rennes, I think. And so that is a, a pretty, you know, n- n- not great for uh, Barcelona, who yeah. <laughs> probably wants his contract out. I think. He's, I mean, they, they did sign him to another two years, so... Yeah, or, or th- th- that was just like an extending of his contract so yeah. so they could like rework the wage a little bit but yeah he'll be there until 2024 okay yep. wow yeah because he, he was just gonna leave at the end of like this season or next yep. season so. he, he could have left on a free this season mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so i i think when you look at it rafinha uh as well as torres and Lewandowski, uh depai and fadi are going to be some of the main pieces up a lot, a lot for sure. But I, I, in my opinion, I think Lewandowski fills a void that they so desperately needed, Jack. So where do you think Barcelona ends with their recent transfers? Obviously, they brought in Rafinha, they brought in Christensen, uh, they're bringing in Lewandowski, but they're losing like Frankie de Jong, for example. Do you think that they're challenging for uh, La Liga this season? Uh, no. Why and that? the reason why is chemistry. Like most of their starting lineup from last season, like a good half of it, I would say, is di- is going to be different. That's a lot to that's a lot to get through and to change up, right? So trying to work through all of that and you know try and figure out where everyone plays, get everyone on the same page, it's going to be a little tricky to uh to get everything out. I think. There, I mean, Barcelona's not going to finish outside the top four, probably. They'll, they'll get top four. I'm guessing second or third, though. I think Real Madrid are still better than them. 
Okay. Uh, and very quickly, I have to mention, I was wrong about Usman Dembele. I think it's uh, Samuel Umtiti was the one that... Yeah, that, that, that sounds right. I was going to say. I, I, I confuse my French one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, but yes, yes. Uh, yeah. For me, I still struggle with that defensive bit with Barcelona. And even with Christensen, and I think he's a very good defender. I, I, I still don't know who, who they have that's going to be... You know, a game changer back there because Danny Alves, what I, I'm pretty sure he's left. Dest potentially on his way out, even if he stays. Like they need some more depth on 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 the the, the fullback positions. Something that I feel like they've struggled a lot with. They have good attack, but if you're not going to have a very comprehensive defense, then it's going to be hard to really, you know win games if you're just going to uh, leak goals left and right. I don't think that's going to happen necessarily, leak goals. Uh, but there, mm-hmm. I think their attack side is going to be very good because when you look at the stats, I think the one thing that they were missing was very clinical finishing for a, a team that created a, a good amount of chances. When you, when you look at the XG, uh, for example, uh, overall, Barcelona have some pretty good players. However, it's not mind-blowing. For example, the highest XG uh, through all the all the attackers was 11 from Memphis Depay. And that was after 28 matches, which is like, you know, fine. But that's not Barcelona good. And you go down and it's like Safaran Torres of 7.2, Aubameyang 7.1, and they had relatively good seasons except for Ferran Torres who only underperformed his XG by three goals and then you look at what Lewandowski brings and last year with uh, Bayern Munich his expected goals uh, throughout the 34 games that he played was he had 35 goals and he had an XG of 32.6 in a different leagues of course but if you can bring half of that positional awareness to his Barcelona team and finish the chances that Barcelona are bringing, they're going to be extremely dangerous because you have a bunch of players who have a good amount of expected assists. Usman Dembele with 7.8, uh, Jordi Alba 5.9, Memphis Depay with 3.9. You add in the fact that he can find the positions really well. He can create stuff on his own by drawing a players out. I think that this is going to be a very good partnership especially when you look at who won the league real madrid their two strongest players uh benzema and and vinicius jr xgs of 23.5 and 13.1 if you want to win this league you have to have players who you can rely on to change games like benzema like vinicius jr and i think that Lewandowski brings that i think they won't win la liga this year but there'll be there'll be a race. That's my opinion. Okay, that's my opinion. I don't know if that's necessarily the right opinion, but it is one. So Jack, it, it, well, now that this transfer saga is all said and done, when you look at it holistically, give it a letter grade. W- w- what do you think about it? Uh, I, I'd say like a a minus. Okay. Because it, it's, I saw your it, lips. It almost it looked like you're going to say B for a second. I almost did. I, I bumped it up a little bit because Lewandowski is still very good. But paying $45 million for a 34-year-old who's going to have to adapt to a new league is going to be, is going to be tricky. I, I 
wouldn't expect him to score like, you know, the numbers he was putting up in the Bundesliga for for Barcelona. Right. I would expect like maybe 20, but not not like 30 plus. Right. So I I feel like it's still very good, but I feel like. I'm not sure how long he plays for. Right. That that's the challenge. I mean, if Benzema at age 33 can score 27 goals, right? Mm-hmm. But he's been in La Liga since, what, 2011? But Lewandowski was the rightful winner of uh, the Ballon d'Or, according to some people. Like, he is beyond world class. That has to count for something. Maybe. We'll see. I, I, I think where the hang-up comes up is not the fact that he has to adapt. I'm sure he can. It's that he's not a plug-and-play player. The other players have to adapt to him, right? They have to adapt to how he plays. Because he, right now, is the focal point of this Barcelona attack. And so the other Barcelona players have to kind of adapt to his positions, his his style of playing, and that might cause some growing pains as we get into the Liga season. But that's neither here nor there. I still think he's going to be good. I'll give it... An A. Okay. But that is as long as the levers continue levering. Jack, in order to make this transfer fully work and to register him, Rafinha and Christensen, Rafinha, of which leads, I think, uh, if, if I remember correctly, had to put a provision in the deal that means Barcelona will have to pay a significant penalty if the agreed amount does not arrive within the agreed time frame. Mm-hmm. So, not a lot of clubs are trusting Barcelona right now to. I, I come don't up see with why many would. Yeah. <laughs> Rafinha, very good player, going to be very game changer, great winger, but he did come at a large price. So did Lewandowski, and so Barcelona need to get a lot of money in order to make those registrations happen. They they sold the rights to uh, uh, Camp Now. It's now Spotify Camp Now, I think, which is I know, oh, I know, it's so I bad. Know. But hey, all the season ticket holders get Spotify premium. That's fun, right? I, I actually don't know if that's true. I, I'd hope so. That has to be. If they did, I guess that's a nice bonus. But <laughs> I don't know. Barcelona seem like they need to save every every penny yeah. possible. They, they they sold part of their like TV uh, percentages, which got them 200, 300 million euros. And they're trying to sell one of their star midfielders, Frankie de Jong. Very close to signing with Manchester United, or is he? Jack, what, what is going on here? I, this is a soap opera. Yeah, uh, I feel bad for him. That's when I'm going to start with this. Yeah. Frankie Dion, because Barcelona was always his dream club, and he always. got to play for them. And now they're trying to kick him out the door, even though he's like, bro, I do not want to go to Manchester United. Who would? Like, who would? Who, who would right now, right? Like, it, they're playing in the Europa League. They almost were playing in the Europa Conference League, but West Ham can't beat Brighton, as we know. Okay, so, all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, it's just, it, I feel bad for him. And it's going to cost like $75 million. A lot of uh, money. Yeah. And he doesn't even want to go. But yeah. Barcelona are like basically forcing him out. I saw a meme that someone posted of like, uh, like here's, here's how we explain the Frankie Dion situation. It's a guy just pushing, shoving someone into a suitcase and throwing them onto a luggage uh, cart. Like, yeah, that's basically it. Like he's he's been one of their best players for ever since he joined, really. And they're just disrespecting him 
for ev- like he he's always wanted to play for Barcelona, still does, makes them better, and they're just kicking him out because yeah. they they made poor financial decisions. And I don't blame him for not wanting to leave either, because he's still owed seventeen million euros in wages, seventeen million of his wages. He he wanted to play for Barcelona so bad he offered to defer his wages so they could get through the financial crisis that they were in. Yeah, and, and now they're just yeah. like. Actually, screw you. We 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 want we don't want you anymore. Go go join a different club. We we don't care. Yeah, and, and don't didn't Barcelona actually ask Manchester United to like pay off those deferred wages as yeah. part of the deal? Yep, dude. Barcelona like has always been in financial disarray, and for like like a month period, I thought, oh wow, they can afford all these players. Why? Wow, I, I guess they figured stuff out. No, no, they haven't. It's just. No. It's just conspicuous consumption over and over again. And now they're kicking out a player. that's still 24 mm-hmm. still can contribute, especially when you add in Lewandowski all because they couldn't afford any of these players to begin with. It's, and they didn't. And the thing that bothers me is they didn't need some of these players as well. Like that. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like they didn't need both Usman Dembele and Rafinha. They yeah. didn't. They, they didn't necessarily like Lewandowski. Yes, he's good. They didn't need him necessarily but you know they they're they're just like they're gonna they're gonna destroy themselves i i think maybe that should be my hot take of the week i think that barcelona are going to destroy themselves are, are if they you saying bankruptcies on on the horizon like if they don't sort things out within like the next 10 years or so i could easily see them going the way of like you know uh historic clubs in france like saint etienne or uh bordeaux right I could see them going that way, like destroying themselves financially and getting relegated because of how badly they've dealt with everything. They already got the best player that they will literally ever have for them. Messi is going to be the best player Barcelona will ever have play for them. They got rid of him. uh, And now they're just shipping out players who have always wanted to play for them to register players they didn't even need. And it's just kind of ridiculous. I, I think it's ridiculous. Uh, but supposedly an agreement's close between Manchester United and Barcelona. But the issue is Frankie de Jong doesn't want to go. Yeah. That's Frankie de Jong's uh, agent has told Manchester United CEO to stop insisting on signing him. The player won't join them. He has decided, despite the fact that Barcelona have f- kind of forced Frankie de Jong to accept his offer, saying that, he has to leave immediately or he'll be left out of the preseason tour. If he refuses to leave, he ended up being included in yeah. the, the USA because he's a fantastic tour. player. Of course. Yeah, of course he's being included. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it's wild. First of all, we haven't even talked about Manchester United. I, I feel like he will make Manchester United better. That's why they're going to spend yeah. this much amount of money, especially when you lose Pogba. I think he's an upgrade on Pogba, even if, if I can say that. Yeah. Well, Manchester United Pogba. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. French national team Pogba is a different story. They're different people, I'm convinced. Yes. So it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Uh, yeah. He, he, he like he rips off the mat. Like, he, there's like clones of him. And they, there is. And they, like, he, yeah, he, he hated playing for Manchester United so bad that he cloned himself to go play for them. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. But it, this is he's still still re- resisting this exit. And I, I, I just don't see how this was that's gets resolved in a manner that's friendly to everybody. In fact, I, I think that this 
could put a bad taste in players' mouth when it comes to maybe signing for Barcelona. Not only do you not have the wages, not only can you get forced out, but they're not even like that competitively successful right now because they're in the middle of a rebuild. So uh, unless they're going to pay you a, a, like exorbitant rounds of money, which they probably would because they're Barcelona and they're sometimes run by clowns, like this, this has to what's like besmirch Barcelona's name a little bit, right? Yeah, I, I think it should. Like, I apparent also, I was looking on, on Twitter. Apparently, Frankie Dion would be open for a move to Bayern, supposedly. That makes more sense it, it, than it United. Does. It does. Uh, but still, it, it's pretty clear that he doesn't want to go. And, but you're right, it should make people upset like they yeah. they shouldn't want i i don't see why players would want to go to barcelona i bet they're incoming transfers right now like christensen i bet he is looking like man <laughs> i hope that doesn't happen to me yeah what what did i walk into uh and you know i i feel like i wonder if maybe this might help as to stay alonzo can go um he won't be forced out yeah I, I swear, don't worry, Alonso. Just go there. It's fine. Just, yeah. just head on over to Barcelona. It's fine. Right. Uh, but as Pilquetta, they, they'll force you out. So don't don't go there. You know. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it should besmirch the name of Barcelona a little bit. This is just incredible poor management. Incredibly poor management. Yeah. I don't think I've I've heard of like a worse financial situation <laughs> in in like a top flight team. Right. Like there have been some other teams that have been in poor financial state. Right. Before. But like, you know, Darby County, we covered that like a year ago and how they use some creative accounting to try and get around things. Barcelona doesn't even use creative accounting. They just go all in They're They're the equivalent of like a gambler trying to trying to play without any chips. Right. They just make their own chips. That's what they're doing right now. Uh, it's pretty bad. Uh. They're, I'm not sure how much of their TV rights they're going to have by the end of this transfer window <laughs> if they keep selling them off. But it, yeah, I, I don't know. I like dunking on Barcelona a little bit, but it is kind no, of sad as true. well. You it, know. It, it is kind of it is kind of sad. And I think if Frankie de Jong, the, the, if the, he's going to have a reason to go to Manchester United, it's because he rekindled a relationship with Eric Ten Hag. Obviously, Ajax connections, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, Right. There's not much of a reason to go to Manchester United if they're not. If you gonna... look behind you and you see Harry Maguire playing behind you, that's I'd tough. run the other direction. That's tough. <laughs> yeah. So who knows? Uh I, I think this transfer would would benefit both teams. It definitely would. But However, it hurts the player. It hurts the player, and that really sucks to see. Yeah. Jack, let, let's end off the levers discussion. We talked about a little bit about Barcelona. Manchester United, how Frankie de Jong could do a good job there. Let's talk about someone maybe moving from Manchester United to Bayern to complete the triangle. And that is definitely not an actual like hard rumor. But of all the teams that could get Cristiano Ronaldo, I boo. think Bayern. Yeah, boo. I know. I know. <laughs> Bayern Munich seems the most likely to potentially get him unless he wants to take uh, a salary cut. It's, it's literally either Bayern can't go to PSG because PSG said no. Mm-hmm. He's he's not going to take a pay cut to Sporting. He's literally come out, or his agents come out saying that. Yeah. The only other uh, option is potentially. I saw rumor of a Saudi club 
potentially getting yeah. him, which would complete the trifecta of Ronaldo not being a great person. So, but Jack, Bayern Munich has, you know, we actually got almost a, a true confirmation four hours ago that uh, Matisse Delict from Juventus right. is moving to Barcelona, uh, not Barcelona, uh, they wish, <laughs> uh, Bayern Munich uh, on a 22 million euro fee. 22 million fee? I thought it was 72 million fee. It's 22 uh, there's days no ago. way it was 22 hey yeah you can look at you can look at uh, oh no uh, that's that a different uh uh matthias spelled completely differently uh, as, as well it's 80 million that's, 80 million yeah that's okay even higher than either of us yeah so jack i think Bayern munich first of all looking pretty good added sadio mm. mane uh and now with with delict i mean they have a lot of good defenders already wimakano um, moved there. You have the likes of Pavard, Davies, uh, Lucas Hernandez, Chris Richards, probably not going to uh, be there. But when you look at their attack, obviously they have uh, very good wingers and stuff. Sané, uh, Gnabry, uh, Mane was added, but there's no out-and-out striker like Lewandowski. And yes, you could have uh, some of them play in that position. Mane has played striker before, obviously, but maybe do they want to have someone who is almost guaranteed to get north of 18 goals a season, which Ronaldo has done. Jack, uh, no. uh, Ronaldo wants Champions League. Uh, Bayern, you know, likes big names. Why don't you think this is happening? Bayern don't want him. They just don't want him. Like really? literally every single lever, uh, level of it. Oliver Kahn, sporting director. I'm stuck in it now. Oliver Kahn, sporting director for Bayern. Quote, I love Cristiano Ronaldo, fantastic player, but every club has a philosophy, and I don't think it would be the right signal for Bayern and the Bundesliga if we signed him right now. Such a move does not necessarily fit with our ideas. Uh, then uh, Nag- Nagelsmann says, I saw the rumors about my interest on Ronaldo. Not true. <laughs> like, Bayern don't want him. Nobody- so where is he going? nowhere retire get out of here like that's that's what i have to say i i don't want him i don't want to see him anymore retire go go away that's my message to ronaldo uh i chelsea don't want him either tuchel yeah, was true. like yeah no uh no more aging attackers we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do something else and i'm so happy for that because i would not have liked to see ronaldo in a chelsea hit oh gross uh he could he he can't go to mls obviously uh, we've talked about why. Uh, actually, he should, because then maybe he'll get arrested. Yeah. Uh, people people know how much I dislike Ronaldo. I don't like him really at all. But Bayern don't want him. He He's stuck at Manchester United until his contract is done. Because no other club wants him that he'll take. He reportedly refused that Saudi Arabia deal. He refused yeah. sporting. No other club wants him. <laughs> that's the plain and simple of it. Uh, no, not many clubs can afford him. Uh, Bayern almost certainly couldn't after signing uh, Delict. Now, yeah, you know it, and it just does. And like Khan says, it doesn't fit with the values of the club. The Bundesliga hasn't been about like you know getting the biggest names in the world and then getting them and like getting them in the league. Right? It's about producing more of those big names. And then sending them off to other leagues like that. That's that's more the philosophy of the Bundesliga, it feels like. 
Ronaldo there to to Bayern just goes against everything it seems like they've built. So I don't know. Yeah. I I'm just I I I feel I know it's not transfer hot or not, but that would be an ice cold transfer. Uh, yeah, in my sure. opinion, that's that's that that's my that's my take on it. I think it's bad. Bayern don't want him. Uh, yeah, just I I, I don't think I, I I've seen. I I was not expecting Ronaldo's legacy to be this. I I don't think it's like it's been hurt because everyone knows mm-hmm. Ronaldo's still good, but it's just been everyone is like looking at Ronaldo like it's just like dirty laundry you're like oh well there's ronaldo he's too good to be ignored but too expensive to be signed and so he's too he's too good to like go to a club like sporting because he wants to have high wages but he's just too expensive so for even the most like high clubs and so yeah he's he probably will be staying at manchester united he doesn't necessarily want that Manchester United fans don't necessarily want that. None of the clubs want to sign him. And so nobody is happy by the fact that he is there. And if no club is stepping up, then I think in the next year or two, he has to like kind of suck it up and be like, okay, I guess I'll take less wages. Or at the very least, not be so so questioning of his coach's tactics where he, he has to have everything built around him. Right. Because he's not going to go to a club that's in rebuilding mode. Right. Right. But he's also not going to go to a club where he's not what everyone is building around. And so that leaves like so many little clubs. It like Bayern Munich was the closest thing because Lewandowski's out. He can fit in. But is he going to press? No. No. (laughs) Is he going to is he going to track back? Is he going to do any of the things that Lewandowski could do? No. He's not. And so he's just. He's just in this super weird position that I've literally never seen anybody at this level be at where nobody wants him. He doesn't want to be there. Everyone's just unhappy by the situation. Everyone would be happier if he just. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say retire. Like, I'm sure people would say it. Would, Come on, would be say, sad. It for, say it. Come on. It, if the Chinese Super League still had the financial power that they once had, that is where I'd suggest he go. And that is the only place I could realistically see him go that could afford the Saudi the, the Arabia. That's that's no, but, but literally a, a, a Saudi Arabian club literally came out on their Twitter. Uh, all Kakab. Right. Rumors linking Portuguese player Cristiano Ronaldo and Al Kakab FC are not true. The players are the players is completely outside the club's plans, and I I, I want to say that's a even the Saudi league doesn't want. Him. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's just Japan. He could play. He could play with Iniesta. Yeah, but I, I also don't know if they can afford him. No, they probably couldn't it's where should where should ronaldo go i don't know retirement that's you can you, you can say that that's that's what i'm saying because he's not that he's not going to be happy anywhere else yeah he won't just, so just just retire spend your spend a couple years in the canary islands living it up whatever maybe come Ibiza. to the u.s take a visit to the police station yeah i i have so much many problems with ronaldo i yeah you know i just i just 
I, I I'll take any opportunity there is to bash him. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Jack, that's enough of the levers talk. A lot of levers in in this trade tree that Lewandowski has started. Let's talk about some women's soccer, Jack. This would be interesting. We're actually going to see not not the U.S. women's national team play, but we're going to see uh, the Red Stars play uh, the San Diego Wave when we go to Chicago mm-hmm. coming up here, which will be exciting, as well as the Chicago Fire. But if I'm going to be honest, I am a slightly more excited to watch the Red Stars play. Versus the Wave, yeah, that's the top two teams in the NWSL. Let's, yeah, cause let's be real. <laughs> that's, Alex Morgan plays for the Wave, yep. correct? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I am excited to see like Shakiri play for uh, the Fire. Sloninia. Sloninia, of course, of course. Also Atlanta United, United so coming, Joseph so, Martinez is back starting, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> But also, those two teams are not doing too hot right now, and the Red Stars and the Wave are doing slightly better, uh, all things considered. But yeah, we're talking about the U.S. Women's National Team, which, you know, Alex Morgan is playing there. And they're going to be playing Canada in the finals of the CONCACAF W Championship. I'm excited. It's happening Monday, the day this comes out. So, Jack, let us preview this match uh, a little bit of how did they get here, uh, the U.S. Women's National Team. Ended up winning their group uh, in this uh, championship, a championship that's seen a little bit of controversy, especially with the heat there. Not a lot of fans in the stadiums brings up some questions about whether or not a single tournament to decide the, the World Cup qualifying is the best way to measure who deserves to be there. But yes, USA won their group. Over Jamaica, Haiti, and Mexico, the hosts, Mexico, did not even score a single goal. Cringe. USA won 3-0 over Haiti. I talked about how their attack didn't really seem cohesive. A lot of longing crosses. They backed it up with a better win, 5-0 over Jamaica, where we saw the likes of Smith, you know, Rodman get involved. You know, uh, uh, what a lot of U.S. Women's National Team fans have been wanting. And then they followed that up with a very, very not great win over Mexico. It took an 89th minute U.S. goal in order to seal a win. And it, it, to be fair, it, you know, it seemed like we were in control. Mexico got a red card, and even then, they still had some attacking chances. But our attack couldn't get there, even if our defense seemed like it was in control. Um, and from there, Costa Rica actually, both Costa Rica and Jamaica rested a lot of their players. Uh, and apparently it was because they kind of knew that they didn't really stand a chance. So instead of going for the upset, they rested some of their key players in preparation for the third place match, the winner of which will go to the, the Olympics playoff uh, between the, the losers of the final. And so that is how the USA got here is a three to zero win with Sonnet Pugh and Sanchez goals. Canada on the other side of the bracket atop uh, their group of Costa Rica, Panama, and Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, pretty good win, 6-0 over Trinidad and Tobago. 1-0 win over Panama, and a 2-0 win over Costa Rica, followed by a 3-0 win in the semifinals over Jamaica. Now, United States and Canada meet in the final after Canada beat the United States in the semifinals of the Olympics last year. Went on to win the entire tournament. Jack... A lot of narratives going into this final. USA maybe underperforming. Canada and US having the rematch. What do you think is going to happen? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't say that these aren't the best two teams in the competition, you can't, right? You can't. Because they actually had the same record to get there. Three three wins, zero draws, zero losses, goal differential goal of nine, uh, and uh, nine goals scored, zero against. Wow. Uh, and then they both beat their semifinal opponents three to zero. So they they're you know they've they've followed the same path, but only one of them can take home a trophy. So it's uh it's going to be exciting for sure. I am very excited for this match because I think the U.S. this time are better suited. Like the team is better is built better than it was in the Olympics I last agree. time around. I agree. Low bar, it's but still, I agree. It's still not perfect, right? But it is better. And I think that that's going it, the whole thing between this is going to be about the U.S. getting revenge. But it's also about Canada potentially having a chance to cement themselves as, you know, maybe not just the best team in CONCACAF, but one of the best teams in the world. So there's a lot for both of these sides to prove in this match. And I, I'm going to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if it's very much like the Olympics where it's settled one goal to zero. Oh, yeah, I, I could sure. definitely see that happening. But it is going to be an intense match because Canada has only in the, in the past 10 years or so, Canada has only beaten the U S once and it was at the Olympics. Right. So that's that that's going, it's going to be incredible to, to watch these two face off. Yeah. I go, well, who, who do you think is going to win? Do you think the USA is going to come out on top and, get the automatic qualification into the Olympics, which they would get if they win this tournament. I, I think the U S are going to win it. I think they are. Okay. And maybe it's because I'm optimistic and like to root for my teams, but I also think that they've improved in a lot of places where they could have done better last time around. Not to mention, you know, they, uh, the game against Canada was the, was the game where their goalkeeper got injured, right? Uh, uh-huh. Alyssa Nair went out injured, right? Yeah. That's not the case now. So they, they, they don't have that going into it, which does kind of does hurt a little bit for, for the chances in a game having to make a goalkeeper substitution. But I think, you know, the younger talents of this team can carry the U.S. through to get a hard-fought win. You know, players like Ashley Sanchez, right? I think she... I I'm I'm I think I'm correct in saying that she's uh, a little bit younger. Yes, yeah. twenty twenty three. Trinity Rodman. Uh, there there's and uh, why why are all the names slipping out of my head right now? Sophia Smith. All of those younger players, I feel like, are kind of the key to moving forward for the yeah. U.S. And I think that this sort of old, sort of new look uh, U.S. team can get it done. Mm-hmm. I do not share optimism. I uh, I would not be surprised if they won. This is a this is for the first time since the Olympics. This is the U.S.'s best chance at really seeing where they land in terms of the global soccer scene. Right. This is definitely the best opponent that they they have played uh, outside of even the She Believes Cup, even in friendlies. And I think that this maybe suits their style play a little bit better. I think 
really, if I'm going to draw a parallel with the men's team, right, I, I feel like the men honestly play better against better opposition. Because when you play against CONCACAF opposition, they tend to bunker, they don't play out of the back. And so it leaves a lot of room for you with the ball and for you as a team to try to figure it out and try to like get past a very set defense. When the U.S. Women's National Team play the likes of France, of Spain, of the Netherlands, they're able to press more, which is more of their style of play that kind of complements what these players in the club games and what they want to do and what they train for a little bit better. And so now that is like the, that is what Canada allows the U.S. to do. And so maybe the U.S. can rise to the position and press against Canada and, you know, actually play the game plan that they have been training to do. Of course, Canada can also do that because the USA are to their level. So this is a great way to see who 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 is the best team in this region. But my my concerns still lie with that attack. Costa Rica, it was kind of expected for them to win against Costa Rica. But for the US, in almost every single game except for that Jamaica game, uh, when they've played against, you know, Haiti, against Mexico especially, it just did not seem like their attack had that chemistry. And the good news is, is that that chemistry can be built upon. And with these new players, it's something of growing pains to be expected. The bad news is, is that Vladko Andonovsky has said himself, this team is not ready for the World Cup. And as I want to say Alex Morgan uh, said Vladko is kind of tinkering with with the, the general uh, tactics of the of this tournament, like like game on game, and so chemistry can't be uh, built in the same way as say Greg Berhalter when he has like, all right, we're gonna play this way for this camp. These are the players I want to see. It feels like a lot of times Vladko is trying to figure this out on the fly, and it's just not working, right? He, he he's maybe not relying on, on some of the younger players a, a, as much <laughs> running uh, Lindsey Horan to the, into the ground. Like I, I want to see at least some minutes, some significant minutes of this game going to the likes of Naomi Jerma uh, Guillermo, who has had an entirely amazing breakout season for San Diego wave was the number one pick in the 2022 draft. Great defender. As well as Ashley Sanchez, you can't uh, forget about her, right? Trinity Rodman, I want to see Pew in there, Sophia Smith. As well as like the players that have proven their their worth. I, I just don't think that we're going to get a very cohesive attacking identity that Vladko wants us to have just because... I don't know, I, I don't know if, he's, if he's ever been well-equipped to make that a reality, and so... It's this is a long-winded way for me to say that I feel like the U.S. is not as well equipped as Canada, who has played in challenging games like Arnold Clark Cup, has t- tested their their wits, has amazing players like their captain Saint Clair, uh, Becky Quinn. I don't know. I I, I wouldn't be surprised any either way. But if I, I was a betting man, I I bet on Canada. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wouldn't be surprised either way. But I'm too much of an optimist to root against my own teams, so I, I'm not going to or, or to to go against my own teams. I know you're rooting for the U.S. still, uh, not necessarily for Canada, but 
I'm still going to believe, you know, Ted Lasso it, you know, believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I believe got to got to hit that sign. I, I, exactly. I saw you, you, you finished uh, season two. I have two more episodes until I'm fully caught up. I, okay. I, I, I watched the, the first season when it came out and I watched the first couple of episodes of season two and then I, I got busy. Good show. Good Maybe show. we can do a deep dive on that. <laughs> yes. As, especially hey, when season three comes out, we can have our, our own uh, uh, podcast about it. But there yeah. we go. <laughs> I want to believe, too, I'm going to be watching this game with with a, 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 a heart beating out of my chest. But man, do I want to see more from Flatco's team than this? All right, let's move on to the last thing we'll talk about, Jack, uh, before we end things here, which is the 2022 Euros. Women's Euros. We still have one more group, uh, Group D, that has to get wrapped up, but France has won that group, and it's between Iceland, Belgium, and Italy. And if I had to guess, I'd probably go with Belgium. That's I, I, It's definitely between Belgium and Italy in my mind. Yes, because uh, Iceland, Iceland have to play France and they have to win in order to guarantee placement. So mm-hmm. it's tough. But Jack, let us go over the group stage. Do you want to read off uh, the winners of the groups and also the round of 16 matchups or, or sorry, quarterfinal, quarterfinal matchups? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so winner of group A is England with runner up Austria. Winner of group B kind of. Kind of more of a shocking one, I'd say. Yep, because absolutely. We, especially to us, given what we said about Germany before this. Uh, Germany win the group, and Spain comes second. Uh, we kind of dunked on Germany before this, before yeah. when we were previewing that. And I'm eating my words. Yeah. Uh, Sweden win Group C barely over the Netherlands, who are runners-up. And then France have won Group D, and then anyone, theoretically, can win or can get second. And yeah. that, but the knockout rounds, we've got some good ones in here. We've got That's Germany versus ones. Austria. That one's all right. Not yeah. not as exciting as the other two that we have for sure, which are France versus the Netherlands. You know, uh, the French flag versus the French flag sideways. Exactly. Um, and then, honestly, this is my most anticipated match: England versus Spain. Oh my gosh, I am so excited! I think that's really like the best match that that's in this and then sweden versus either belgium iceland or italy we we won't know until i mean maybe by the time you're listening to this you'll know uh but for right now we don't know we we can't see into the future so uh but gosh this is gonna be so sick (laughs) i think whoever i think we know that whoever plays sweden I think we're both saying that Sweden probably wins against. I, I, I think so. I think so. against Iceland, Belgium, or Italy. I think, I think, uh, I think Sweden finds a way and probably does it pretty handily too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jack, let's go through some of these uh, matchups and talk about who we think is going to win the quarterfinals. It's. It, I, I think it's a little bit early to to predict semifinals and who's going to win. I guess we could pick like who we think is the best suited to win it all. But Jack, let's mm-hmm. start off with maybe the most not lopsided, but the the one that seems a little bit more settled than the other ones happening on the 21st of July in Brentford, Germany versus Australia, Germany, Austria, at Austria, Australia, <laughs> unlike, uh, in a unlike few extra letters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Unlike uh, uh, their admission to Eurovision has not been ex- uh, invited to the Euros in football. Sorry, Australia, but Austria, you're right. Uh, 
Austria, you know, got second place in a uh, group A. Maybe a little bit of an upset considering that Norway uh, was in there. Austria are ranked number 21. Jack, any any thoughts on Austria? I think they had a pretty solid campaign in the group stage. I mean, like, yeah, of course. You know, at, given England's other results in the group, right? England beat their other op- opposition. Norway, they beat 8-0. to zero. Northern Ireland, 5-0. to zero. Austria, they only beat 1-0. to zero. Austria did pretty well in that game, I, I would say. Like, wh- was it incredible? No, but they didn't, like, they, they, they didn't, they sure. didn't, like, uh, because incredible would be, like, you know, beating England in, in England, I think. But yeah. they did pretty well in that game. Yeah, they made and, England look like mortals. Yeah, they, they, they are the only team who made England look like that. And then they beat Northern Ireland and beat Norway. They're they're they've been a solid team. You know, they they've they've been a solid team. Uh, I think like some of the standout names, uh, Manuela Zinsberger, who plays for Arsenal, is in there. Uh, I, I, I also saw that Sarah Punt, uh, Puntigam, I'm probably mispronouncing that, yeah. plays for Montpellier, got two assists against Northern Ireland, assisted both goals in that. Uh, but I, I think that they've got a solid team, but going up against Germany, that's that's tough, you know, because we're talking about us being a team who beat Denmark four to zero, Spain two to zero and Finland three to zero. Yeah. Ha, uh, has yeah. Alexandra Pop, who has scored in every single one of these group stage mm-hmm. games, is a joint second in the Golden Boot race. Yeah, that's good. So that yeah, that's that helps a lot. And you know, I, I think that it's going to be tough to overcome that for Austria, especially given that they don't have like a goal scorer who's like out and out always there because their top goal scorer has one goal. So I, I think that I think that di- that they don't have the same kind of player that Germany have that, you know, right. is pretty reliable in this situ- in these situations. Yeah. Plus, uh, you know. Germany has one of my favorite goalkeepers in in the women's game, so I I'm pretty excited about that. So I I although I'm not wait has she she hasn't been play she didn't play against Finland, which kind of expected. Uh, but true. I I'm I'm ex- I'm excited for this matchup still because I like seeing Germany play. They've been very comprehensive. The way they beat Spain was impressive. At the end of the day, I think they're going to beat Austria. Austria will probably make them work for it. Like it's not, it's not going to be like how they beat Denmark comprehensively or Finland right. comprehensively, but I feel like Germany are going to win that one. Right. I think that is true. Yeah. And I also think that this is going to be a tougher matchup than people would expect, but I would say Germany moves on to the semifinal to face one of France and the Netherlands, Jack. I'm very, very interested to see what you have to say about this game. Uh, I, I'm guessing you're, you're going to go for France, who still has to play their last uh, group stage game against Iceland. But I will say that the Netherlands have not been bad. Sweden, no. of course, uh, th- they drew with them, but Sweden is a very, very good team. We talked about them before uh, before this tournament even began. Netherlands, we've also talked about, and you know, a lot of their players who ha- ha- have been names in the past like van de donk have been scoring have, have been uh 
being good contributors. They only lost out on the top spot uh, of this group by way of goal differential. And seven points in the group stage, that's impressive no matter what tournament you're a part of. And so to, to look at them and to say that, oh, we're definitely going to uh, beat them, I think it's like, you're, A, you're not going to say, and B, would be a gross overlooking of a, a, a team that is, I, I think, very well suited to moving on in this tournament, obviously has had good tournament experience in the past. So, Jack, I haven't given my, my uh, prediction yet, but I want to hear yours first. France or the Netherlands to face off of, presumably, Germany? Yeah, I mean, the Netherlands have been very good in this tournament. You're exactly correct with that. They they have done fantastic. You know, they they were in one of the tougher groups, I'd say. Uh, all things considered, you know, uh, facing off against Sweden was tough, but they still pulled out a draw in that game. Beat Switzerland, honestly, was looked closer after halftime. Uh, looked like 10 minutes after halftime, but the goals started pouring in, and that just shows you the quality this Netherlands team has. Even when it looks like they're down a little bit and they're and they're not playing with the same fluidity, they have the ability to strike back and get up to that. So you're right. I'm not going to flat out just say that France are automatically going to win because this is this is probably one of the most evenly matched teams. Fourth versus fifth in FIFA's rankings. Not necessarily the biggest indication, but France have had a great tournament too. Clara Matteo was great in the game against Belgium, really controlled the midfield there. Uh, Grace Gayoro had a standout game against Italy where she scored three goals in that one. Uh, I, I think that, that both of these teams are going to be in a really tense competition for this one. And when it comes down to it, you know, I'm still going to go for France because yeah. I, that, that's what I, that's what, that's what I'm inclined to do, but I'm not, it, it's tougher to, to say like with 100% confidence, like, yes, they're going to do it because the Netherlands goals in that team seem to come from just everywhere. Like, they don't have necessarily a... Uh, Vivian Medima hasn't had the greatest tournament. I, I hope I'm... Fa- I, I, I swear if I, if I got the wrong team. No, I mean, but, no. Uh, <laughs> Medema has only played against uh, right. Sweden. Right. So they could just be saving her for the knockout rounds. And if so, that's a scary prospect. But I'm going to trust in France still. That being said, if uh, if Marie Antoinette Katoto uh, is not back because she had to be subbed off in the 17th minute and against I, Belgium, I, I I got some doubts. I got some serious doubts yeah, about that. Exactly, and it's tough. Uh, but I'm going to say France barely win it because I'm inclined to do it. But I would I would not I would not say you would you're flat out wrong for saying yeah. that you know Netherlands could take this. Yeah, I mean, Midema uh, is still a doubt going into uh, th- this quarterfinal uh, playoff positions. And so it, it is going to be tough. I-, I-, I think something that really defines this Netherlands team, just to give some commentary on the other side, is where they stand in terms of expected goals versus their goals that they've scored. I think that they, they've absolutely uh, outscored their expected goals, 4.6 to 8. And you can look at that in 
either two ways either their attackers are very clinical or they are overperforming against maybe not great uh uh teams and i either way i think this team is hurt by the fact that they don't have uh, uh midema and, and so they're relying on players like a uh, vandedonk on a uh, liga mertens uh, to get some of those uh goals especially against a very good um sometimes defensive team like france speaking of expected goals i just have to highlight this denmark scored only one goal xg of 5.1 that's bad yeah that's, that's crazy they really underperformed this tournament i'd say yeah uh, at least uh below expectations there geez yeah. but i guess when you play spain and germany that's uh i guess kind of to be expected uh but jack let's talk about sweden a little bit as they face somebody someone someone and i'm gonna guess that we're going to back sweden to yeah. beat either iceland italy or belgium right oh yeah uh sweden should win this one uh yeah i don't really have much to add uh I'm I'm sorry to any of the teams that qualify against them, but Iceland, Italy, Belgium, I just don't inspire me with as much confidence, I feel like, as yeah. Sweden does. If if you can hold the Netherlands to a draw, I think you're in a pretty good position to say you yeah. could you could beat any of those three teams. Yeah. I mean uh, what I what I like about the Sweden team is just how on the front foot they are they rank first on position one final third per match which means that they are pressing uh but they also just uh throughout the, the, the their matches have performed uh very well very comprehensive i should say of course they drew to the netherlands uh but they're uh, they managed to beat switzerland i i say uh i say that it's comprehensive a two to one win over switzerland i think they had to uh get some help whatever Five to zero over Portugal obviously is going to be a, a good intro into the quarterfinals. So I, I think I look at this team as very talented. Uh, yes, I mean that's really all, all you have to say yeah, about about yes. the Sweden team. None of the other teams that they're facing come close to ranking high on the advanced stats. On you know just the the sheer amount of goals that some of these more higher level. Uh, women's teams are performing at so you're giving it to sweden yeah plus they don't have uh kosovare aslani who Uh has contributed to who has goal contributions for half of sweden's goals wow uh that's pretty good uh plays for real madrid i i just don't see any of italy or belgium's players stacking up necessarily Mm -hmm. or iceland i i yeah. I know we've basically counted Iceland out, but I'm I'm not going I'm not going to to say that just in case France get England uh England did, you know, like uh yeah. in the Euros from 2016. So we're we're just going to I I w- I won't I won't doubt them yet. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jack, well let's talk about England versus Spain. Definitely the most compelling of these quarterfinals and has definitely been the the subject of the most amount of talk because this is Spain who has historically, you know, maybe underform underperformed uh, in these tournaments. If I'm uh, remembering correctly, I don't think they've yeah they they've never won your championship. Uh, have only now started qualifying for the Women's World Cup, but they have players who have dominated in uh, the the Spanish league 
and also in the Champions League with, with Barcelona. A lot of chemistry because a lot of the players come from either Barcelona or the Real Madrid teams. But this is an England side that has had a lot of things going well for them. You know, England, 14 goals for, zero against. One of only Did two look teams a little in bit the tournament shaky. to do that. Yeah. A little bit shaky in the Austria game, but they have looked very good from there on out. 8-0 against Norway. Super emphatic. 5-0 against a fellow British team, Northern Ireland. And on top of that, Jack, I'm sure you're going to mention this, the support that they've gotten is second to none. Exactly. In Old Trafford, 68,871 was their attendance. Uh, against uh, against Norway in Brighton, 28,847. In Southampton, against uh, Northern Ireland, 30,785. Yeah. Obviously, they're the hosts. They're going to get the most. But compared to what other teams are getting, it is a different factor of magnitude that they are experiencing the support. And I, I don't doubt that that is helping propel them into this, into this quarterfinal and potentially beat Spain. So Jack, what do you think about England and Spain? Who do you think is going to come out on top? Uh, I think it's, this is going to be an exciting matchup just because Spain been playing pretty well, but England, I, I'm going to preface this by saying, I think England are going to win it. What uh, and let me go through the the qualities why I think this first, like you said, that home support, the the support they're getting is astounding. Like it's great to see them actually getting the support because I remember right. talking before when we were previewing all of this, we were like, yes, it's in England, but it's really going to depend on the support they get, and they've gotten it. And to be fair, they've performed at a very high level throughout this entire thing, and looking at the players that they've had contributing. Beth Mead has gone absolutely crazy this tournament. Yeah. Five goals, two assists. For goals plus assists, Tally, she is three above second place, which, coincidentally, also an English player with Fran Kirby. Uh, had to mention a Chelsea player, of course. Of course. So uh, she, she's doing great. She's tops the assist chart. And that that's that's not it. You you've also got Elise Alessia Russo, mm-hmm, who plays for Manchester United, who has three goals. You've got Ellen White, who plays for Manchester City, chipping in with two. Like there, there are so many players that are scoring for England. But in addition to that, I look at the style of play, and uh, and also looking at some of those stats that you were mentioning earlier. Spain has the highest average possession out of any team. average possession. How many goals do you think they've scored with that, AJ? Uh, I actually don't have that off the top of my head, but uh, I'd say like, you know, 10, 8, 10. They're they're a good team. Five. They've scored 5%. I actually did that. I was just uh, doing (laughs) that. I know you've looked into this, but it reminds me a lot of Spain at the Euros, like the men's Euros last year where they had a lot of possession in games, but a lot of it felt kind of like useless possession. Uh, I'm not sure if you got that feeling, but I I felt that a lot watching Spain uh, Uh, last time. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just doesn't feel like it. And then looking at England, 67% possession, scoring 14 goals. You know, it's it's still pretty high, but that's a much better return. And it feels like, that possession's more meaningful. 
you know, England always look like they're trying to move that ball forward and their defense have locked it down as well. Uh, Spain also underperforming their XG by 1.4. England overperforming it by 1.2. It, it, it just feels like every single thing that England have going for them is lining up for them. And I feel like it's going to culminate in them getting the win against Spain. Yeah. It will be close. I'm, I'm, I know I've said all this and it makes it sound like I don't think Spain have a chance. No, they, they definitely do. Because Spain, obviously, getting to, uh, getting to the knockout rounds is not a bad team. But I just think when you think of all of the factors lined up for England, it just feels like they're, they're, they're perfectly poised to win it. Jack, I wish I can disagree with you, but I can't. And I said I know, that I know. Spain was my pick to win this entire thing. And if they were able to do the job against Germany, they'd be playing Austria and playing France and the Netherlands, which I think is a much e- easier path to the final than um, sp- uh, England and then presumably Sweden. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just really tough for me to see this Spain team kind of flop because yeah, you look at England very, very dominant in every single one of their games they've played, minus Austria, and still, they got a result. Spain, except for the lowest-ranked team in their group, Finland, they looked like they were crawling their way into the finish line, legitimately. They won 4-1 to against uh, Finland, and you have, you know, the likes of Bonmati, uh, Caldente put away the penalty, you know, players that you would expect to contribute and then they get shut out by Germany. And Germany is a good team. We mentioned that uh, we maybe undervalued them, but still, they are a good team. They lost 2-0. to zero. And then against Denmark, it took a 1-0 to zero win. And not, e- not, even, not even like a, a 14th-minute goal, 43rd-minute goal, and, and they just like kind of you know, controlled the match from there on out. 90th minute from Cardona. It, it, it was like they were gasping for air those last two matches, and it just wasn't working out. And a lot of this comes down to, Jack, like Jack said, that attack is not getting the most out of what chances they've been creating. And they, they've been you know creating a good amount of, of chances, all things considered. You have um, a, a player in Caldente leads the entire tournament in terms of chances created 12 and i've been impressed by her i've been impressed by a lot of their players and yet and yet they still can't get the most out of the fact that they you know like jack said average the most possession they have those accurate passes per match even the crosses per match they just can't get those heads to those goals and create something and create something meaningful and even though they're behind England in a lot of these stats I, I I think that the way that England have been playing the way that they've actually been rising up to the occasion rather than faltering the same way that this that, that Spain has I really struggle to see how this Spain team can convincingly win this game I mean they could you know maybe send it to penalties maybe win a, on a one to zero but after that are they going to win the tournaments I don't know. It's going to take a big step up that I personally don't think that they can make, despite the fact that they I thought that they were going to come out and they were going to just shine. Maybe maybe they need players like uh, Ben Mati to con- continue their 
their their reign. Caldante, I think they're going to be relying on a lot more. Lucia Gar- Garcia, perhaps. I don't know. It, it, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. And so I'm also probably going to say England move on. Yeah, it's I I think and you I, I, I moving to the next thing because. You said we're going to try and say who who wins it all. Right. Yeah. And as much as I want to say France, I, I'm going to say England. It's coming home. That's what I, that's what I'm saying. Wow. I think I really think that they have they're they're like you said, they're rising to the occasion and they have some fantastic players putting in amazing work. And. I look, look I, I don't want England to win. I, I don't like England winning things. Uh, it goes against the American in me, you know, that that's that just doesn't vibe with me. But I feel like they're gonna because they're just they're they're dominating this tournament. Uh, I I could be completely off. AJ, what, what do you what do you think? Do you think do you agree with me? Are Eng- is it coming home? I, I think that England has a very good path to the final. I think if there's one team that has genuinely impressed me and, you know, it stands to reason that anything can change. But I wouldn't doubt the fact that France could win this. And if I had to pick two finalists, I would say maybe England versus France. As that long would as be a good things. final. It, it, it would be a, a very compelling final. But when you look at the advanced statistics, right, as well as, you know, the eye test. I, I, I've been watching most of the games, at least between like the, the big countries like France, Netherlands, uh, England, Spain. France, I think, has looked very, very convincing. And when you look at the advanced statistics, like I was saying, England are on top of a lot of those. You've mentioned them. But France, right behind. Shots yeah. on target per match, France is number two. Big chance, big chances missed, France is number two. Created, France is number three, but expected goals. <laughs> France is number two. There's a, there's a big gap between expected goals between England and France, but still, still. And this continues on, like even accurate long balls per match. France ha- has the top spot. France ha- is on top of the interceptions per match. I- I'm not convinced that that England is going to be the out and out favorite. Like I said, with with England, and Spain, I-, I could see either of them winning if Spain wants to r- rise up. England versus Sweden, I'd probably pick England. But then once you get to the final, you have Germany. France, Netherlands, those are good teams that have beaten England in the past. So if I if I had to bet, I'd probably take right now, which is probably the safe spot, which is England. But England versus France is my pick, and I could definitely see France moving on and winning. I don't, I don't even know what number Euro this would be if they win it. I... Hold on, I, I, I will check, but I, I can see the logic between it. They're the I, first one, by the way. First, oh, I want them to win. I, I do want them to win it. That's the thing. France has never made it out, out of uh, the quarterfinals, mind you. Oh, I don't like the odds. <laughs> that, that feels. But then again, uh, I, as long as they make it past the first knockout round, I'll be I'll be happier with that performance compared to the men's heroes, <laughs> which I am yeah. still disappointed about. A yeah. year later, uh, yeah. I think it was almost a year ago. It was over a year ago that they got eliminated by Switzerland. Yes. 
Still disappointed. But it happens. I, I, I think England versus France would be a reasonable final to expect. I think England versus Germany could also happen. And okay. either of those would be fantastic to watch. Like that, that's, that's a great final to watch regardless of, of, of who's in it. So I, 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 I would love to, I would love for it to be France in the final. Uh, but England versus Germany would be fun to watch too. Yeah. So <laughs> I should say another reason why I don't think Spain's going to win is because of course, Alexia Putellis was injured yep. and Hermoso was injured beforehand. Yep. So shrug emoji it is what it is unfortunately for me all right jack that is it we talked about levers we talked about u.s women's national team we talked about uh the euros my plan is to talk a little bit more about women's soccer uh the international game maybe even talk about i think afcon women's uh team is happening uh afcon women's championship whatever they call it tournament is happening right now and I like to talk about that. I also like to talk about the fact that the Philippines won their first ever major trophy in soccer. I think any age group, I think any gender, the women's team won the AFF Cup, which is very exciting for me, Jack. And last time I checked, Guyana hasn't won anything like that. So that's that. Yeah, that. Yeah, I. Yeah. No, they, they, there's not a chance they win anything soon, unfortunately. Maybe yeah. they'll win their group in the CONCACAF Gold Cup, but probably not. Yeah. Let's go Philippines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Jack, where can people find us on the social medias? They can find us on social media at Final Third Show. That's our Twitter. Uh, we post uh, a few things on there. I, I, I live tweeted a little bit of the Minnesota United game going on last night. As Wayne Rooney looked on in defeat, distraught, anger, perhaps, uh, at at DC United, giving up chance after chance, and Reynoso having a game of his life. But if you want more of that, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show. All right, all right, exciting, exciting, exciting. Jack, FinalThirdShow.com, of course, and uh, yeah, tell your friend about the show. I'm sure they'd love to hear about. Us talking about the U.S. Women's National Team. Tell your dad about the show. I'm sure he'd love to hear us vent about Barcelona, Manchester United, and Bayern Munich a little bit. We'll see you guys this Thursday for a hopefully women's international game uh, themed podcast deep dive, as well as same time, same place next week for our news and predictions episode. See ya. Bye for now.